Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad Anul Polat. I've got a great episode for you today. My guest is Angelina Brogan. She is the travel blogger behind BaconIsMagic.ca. Bacon as in the food, not as in like you're making food, baking. And she's someone I've known since the days of when basically I knew all the travel bloggers because there weren't too many of us. But things have changed now and Angelina is really focused on making videos. And that's what we talk about on today's podcast what that video creation process is like, what it's like showing up in a city and planning out how to make a video. Like how do you put out a YouTube video two or three a week? How does all of that work? What are the logistics like when you're actually traveling and on the road? We talk, of course, about some of the tech that she uses because, you know, it, it, it would just not work if we didn't. We'd have, we have to talk about the tech that goes on behind the scenes to make those videos possible, but also the business side of things as well. And we also touch upon why Ecuador is the place that this sort of new journey has begun. We get into all of that. So whether you're somebody who watches travel and food-based videos on YouTube or TV, or you're somebody who's a content creator who either makes content around those things or wants to make things around those things, I think you're going to find this episode very interesting. So I'll be quiet now and we'll just get right into the episode with Angelina. <laughs> all right. So there we go. Again, thanks very much for taking the time. Um, I've got to say, well, for people listening on audio, they're not going to see the background that you have, but uh, I guess we should start with where are you right now? Right now I'm in Cuenca, Ecuador in South America. And we'll, we'll get to why or how you got to Ecuador, but I sort of wanted to take it back because you're one of the first people that I knew when... I knew all the travel bloggers basically when there were like, you know, 20 or 30 or whatever of us. So, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing this for a while. Um, so, how did that blog start? Like, how did, when did you start and how did you get the idea to start? And, and then it's kind of amazing that, that we're still doing this, which I, I think is, is pretty cool. But uh, yeah. So, how did it all begin? So, um, I started my website in 2010, although I had plans for it long before that. Um, I decided that I wanted to take around the world trip in 2009. And I was working in Toronto at an ad agency and loved my job. But also at the same time, I had progressed so quickly. I, I was very ambitious and I got to a point where I thought, oh, like if I don't kind of make this dream happen now and go travel for a year or two, then it's never going to happen. So in 2009, I was reading a bunch of travel blogs. And even then, I mean, that was very old. That was like, there were like five of them. I can't remember the first one I read, but I remember like, it was just a daily blog of what he was doing every day. And um, that really impacted me. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go travel for a year or two, this is a really great way to almost have like a portfolio. Um, I was very fortunate because in advertising, because it's a creative industry, even though I was on the marketing strategy side, people were really open to kind of doing non-traditional things. And so I finally 
dropped it. And January 1st, 2010, I started my website. It was lime green and black. It was horrific, but it was the four month countdown. And you know, the four month countdown to when you start traveling is like, how did you save money? What are you going to pack? And you're right. There was like a, I would say maybe 20, 25 of us who were either traveling or planning to do it. And it was a really tight knit group, which I think was so important at that time because it was a crazy idea. Again, I was also very lucky that my family was very supportive of me. Um, but a lot of people, even my family said, we thought you were crazy. So, you know, we supported you and we didn't tell you, but we really thought you were crazy to do this. And so it was a really wonderful time to start traveling then. Although travel blogging at that point was really just a hobby. We were just doing it for the love of it and sharing, I think giving back to the community also. So I think there was this community aspect of sharing with each other, but then also sharing for other people who might want to do what we were doing. It was a very different time. I think we had Twitter and that was it. Yeah, it, it, it. It, uh, there's something that, that I miss about the intimacy of that time of the internet where yeah. it's like, you know, and I still now when I, when I Google like a trip, when I'm going to go somewhere, I'll add travel blog to the end of it because yeah, I like to, you know, to get those personal recommendations, but also to see the stories and, and just kind of, Hey, now so many people are doing this, you know, that, that, that I mean, it, you can't keep count. So, um, no. and and there, there's been a lot of shifts in those times uh, yes. since since then. So you took this trip, um, and then what happened after that? So you, you you traveled for a year or two, and then you're still traveling. It looks like it seems. So. It is, yeah. So my plan was I bought a one-way ticket to Mexico and I planned to travel from Mexico through Central America down through South America and then go up through Africa and eventually and like through the Istans. And then I wanted to end in Mongolia because Mongolia is just still, I think, one of those truly wild places in some sections. And so for me, that was the adventure. And I would, you know, come back, have kids, get married, all that kind of stuff. Um, but actually once I hit Ecuador, so that would have been a, a year in, I didn't travel as quickly as I thought it would. I think everyone realizes in order to maintain long-term travel, you know, you can't spend a day or two in a city and packing up your stuff is horrendous and travel days are horrendous. And so your travel time just gets longer and longer. And so I made it to Ecuador and I had decided at that point, after a year of blogging I felt like I had found my voice and that was really important because when you first start I mean back then everybody was trying to be like Lonely Planet or Rick Steves or something and so all of the writing was very generic and then I think along the way if you're going to keep pushing through it you find your own voice and tell your own stories the good and the bad um, and I realized that I did have a voice and it was very different because at that time I was in my early 30s um, and so to take off in your 30s and go traveling is very different. Um, most people think of it as a cap year or maybe something you do in your 20s, but I had started traveling at this moment where there was almost a cultural shift of a lot of women like me who are also very ambitious in their jobs, who had kind of like made it and then wondered, oh my God, is this it? And so I had started to really um, gather a following of people who were either living vicariously through me or wanted to also do this. Uh, and so then in Ecuador, I realized, you know, I think I might be able to make a go at this. Now, making a go at this 
in 20, that would have been early 2011, meant maybe I can get a job writing for somebody else. And so that's what I did. I started writing for about.com. I was the South America guide for a number of years and, um, and they paid me, you know, $900 a month. Now $900 a month is enough to travel on in a lot of countries. And so it kept me going for quite a while. And at that time, social media was changing. And all of a sudden, you know, we were the first trip I was invited on was to go to Jordan. And it was because they saw me as a solo female traveler in what people thought was a a dangerous spot to be in Latin America. And I'm Irish Italian, like I, I learned Spanish on the road. And so now I know intermediate Spanish. But at that time, I was just like, wandering around trying to figure things out. And so I went to Jordan. And then that was the kind of start in travel blogging where people started to get invited to places. And so you got invited on press trips, either on your own or with other journalists and group trips. And so I did that for a while, but that can only keep you going for so long because you still have bills. Like you have to pay for things in between these free trips. And because my background was in marketing and because I worked in advertising before, um, I knew how agencies worked. I knew how destinations worked. And so I started to talk to them about actually doing paid work with them. Um, and not just saying here are my rates or here's my media kit, but asking them like, what are you doing? What are your communication goals? Like what is happening with you for this year? And maybe there's something that I can help you with. And that's still how I work today. So when people ask me, what's your rates? And I always say to them, well, it, it kind of depends because I now, you know, this is 12 years later, do a lot of different things. And so it's not one size fits all. And so my website, which has changed a lot over the years is still, I would say probably 50% of my income through advertising. However, um, over the years have also developed a number of different revenue streams to keep this going. And I make more money than I did in advertising. So, however, I am so thankful that I had that profession before and I know what it's like to work in an office and, and get the emails from the most junior person um, and knowing that you always need to stay professional because every time somebody invests in you, they're, they're really putting themselves out on the line too. Yeah, I think that's a massive benefit or advantage to have is, is most people start out with the, well, most people start out at zero on both the creative end and the business end. Yeah, I find the business end to be more challenging to 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 sort of figure that out because it's it's not it's not something that comes naturally to me and it's something that you have to learn, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you make this a business. So it's kind of in a good advantage to have that. I, I think in the beginning, I think it puts you a little bit ahead. Um, yes, because the creative side, I think, I think just. You get that if you if you keep plugging on, you know, right? If you just keep going on, you'll you'll find your voice eventually. Yeah, it takes a bit more time. I mean, I think creatives really struggle with money and value and valuing themselves and their services. And so I've met so many creative people where I thought, oh my God, if I had all of your skill, I would be making, you know, a million dollars a year. Um, and certainly I've helped people with that. But in the end, when it comes down to business, you really have to separate yourself from your business. So when people talk to me about what I do, and even in my um, email, I say that I'm a publisher. So I'm a publisher, just like any other media. I have a website, I have YouTube, I have social media channels. And so when people reject me, 
uh, it's not personal. They're not interested in those channels or, you know, it's not a great fit. It's not me as a person. And at the same point, I am not personal about like my rates or what I charge or what I do, because it's about, I'm planning for the business. I'm working for the business, not, you know, Angelina, the girl wandering the world. Yeah. That, that's, that's an interesting take. It's kind of how I approach it as well. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's unique to hear that from somebody who's, who's on the online space. You typically, I mean, I think people who have been around doing this long enough, I think, have a good business sense. I think you you kind of mm -hmm. have to, but it's it's interesting to hear sort of how other people manage and look at their own business because, uh, you know, we we kind of can exist in our own little bubbles sometimes. It's hard to, to, to know what other people are doing and if you're doing the right thing, so... Yeah, I hope that changes. I mean, I think in the beginning, one of the things that was really great because we were so small, everyone was helping each other. So even when people were starting to get paid, it was very normal to reach out and say like, hey, what did they pay you? Or what are you doing for them? How does this work? Now people are really, they hold things very tightly and they don't want to share, especially women. Um, and I try to combat that by being very open with what I do, what I charge, all of these things. It's because I always say to people, if we all charge what we're worth and no one's being undervalued, then we all do better. You know, it's that all ships rise with the tide kind of thing that we really do need to put that money conversation to the side because it is more of a, of a business thing, not a personal value aspect. So if somebody's getting paid more and they tell me, I want to know that because I think, Wow, I should have been charging more. I did not know this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, I, I have a foot in the tech world. And in the tech world, people are very collaborative, like much yeah. more than the travel world. The travel world, yeah. um, you know, and outside of the podcast, occasionally having other travel bloggers, it, it's pretty rare that I, I talk to any on a regular basis. Whereas in yeah. tech, there's a lot of communication. We all kind of know what everybody's doing and it's different and I don't know why that is but but it is different yeah. yeah so I would say the same so I'm I also straddle food because I focus on culinary travel um and so I I do have that um put in the food blogger community as well which is very ambitious and they do very well and so it's interesting to see how the two collaborate with each other um yeah, but I would say, I think for some reason in travel, people think there's only a finite amount of trips or money or all of these things. But also, I do think once you uh, become part of a niche, like when I moved kind of from solo female travel, which is still part of my identity, but really focused on culinary travel, my circle of colleagues became much smaller and we are much more collaborative with things like that. And I'm happy to help them. The world is big. The internet <laughs> is large. There's room for all of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, my always take on it is that people who go into travel typically are, are focused on themselves in a way that the, in, it's sort of like when you're traveling, if you're going to make a travel brand of yourself, it's really focused on yourself. Whereas like in tech or food, the focus isn't on you as yeah. much, right? Because, you know, you, there's always food that you can cover and it doesn't, your personality is important, but it's not this always the center of attention no uh, no people aren't coming to see you i mean you're a bonus but they're really there for the food 
Now, I, I guess maybe if I'm jumping ahead, let me know. But I, I have noticed that you've been making more videos lately, um, which is something that I've been doing now. Um, my take on it kind of personally is that I wish I had been doing video from the beginning because it's really the ideal way to, I feel like, to share a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, when did that shift happen for you? Why did it happen? Um, and, and, you know, like what, what is the video making process like for you these days? Yeah. So I had, you know, over the years peppered in some video, I wanted to share more video. I didn't actually want to be on the video, um, but wanted to share with people what I was seeing and video is just hard <laughs> you know what I mean like blogging got to be very easy <laughs> I know how to do that it's very easy to bang that stuff out video is hard and so um I still have all of this footage from you know pre-2020 where I just shot things with hope that eventually they would kind of come together and then when the pandemic hits uh I just I was working on my website quite a bit but I thought okay if I'm going to learn video, if I'm going to do this, there is never going to be a better time to do this because before the pandemic, I was in Cuba for two years. I was based in Cuba in Havana. And so um, I really wanted to share Havana in video because I felt like it's so complicated and people wanted easy answers. And instead of sharing my opinion on Cuba, I wanted to just share what it was like and people could draw their own opinion but I just I couldn't get over the hump of actually editing it and putting it together and understanding what my voice was and so when I came home uh, back to Nova Scotia I was very lucky because Nova Scotia had kind of locked down early we are rule followers we were like we went to COVID zero very quickly. So that summer we actually had, uh, we had a bubble. We didn't even let other Canadians in. And so, but we were able to travel and I thought, you know what, I'm going to start shooting video on my phone. Um, and just sharing like a day trip of what somebody could do in a day to inspire people to visit local businesses in the province. And the first one on Facebook hit a hundred thousand within the weekend. And I was like, okay, like all of that time that went into shooting and editing, um, I look back, it's a terrible video, but, but the thing was, it's a terrible video, but the content was there. Like technically it wasn't great, but what I was sharing was useful for people. And I felt so much pride in sharing, the sharing small businesses and trying to help people out. And so, um, because we were open, I was able to work with the local tourism board, our provincial tourism board. And I was actually able to turn 2020 around. And from a financial perspective, I realized not only is video giving me this challenge that, you know, at that point, you know, I've been blogging for 10 years. I was kind of tired of it. And I also was struggling with how do I provide resources and SEO, but also share these personal stories. Like I, for a couple of years, I really struggled with what the site was going to be about. And video gave that to me. I was just really inspired to learn it. It was challenging. And then also I was helping people. So uh, for 18 months, I think 18 months, I don't know how many videos I shot. I was doing pretty much weekly videos. And it was just honestly going places and just sharing with locals. And they were doing really, really well. And businesses were excited about it. And people who could not travel anymore were thinking, oh, I didn't even realize this was an hour away from me. So um, that was really fulfilling. And then I decided 
in, when did I leave? September. So I think July or August, I was like, okay, this is the time I can leave. I knew Ecuador had a really great um, stance on COVID as well, was doing very well. Here we have to wear masks inside and outside. But, um, but they were taking it really seriously. And so I felt comfortable. I was double vaxxed. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I came down here also because I had been here four times and I have a friend who is a tour guide and I told him what I wanted to do and he wasn't working because there are no tourists. And so it was also just this really great thing of coming together, feeling like my goal here is to inspire people to come to Ecuador by showing them what it looks like because a lot of people see the Galapagos and that's it. Or maybe they'll see this indigenous woman high up on a mountain in traditional dress and that is it. And so people don't really realize that Ecuador is better than Costa Rica. It has the same amount of diversity and in some cases more, but it still has culture and traditional food. And not everything has all the local businesses haven't been bought out by like yoga, vegan free cafes and surf shops. So um, in the fall from September to 1st of December, I shot 50 videos in 90 days, which was a lot. Yeah. Now this time I am not editing them. I did find an editor originally on Fiverr. And again, it was just this he um was a tv producer in indonesia and was laid off because of covid and then it was just like right place right time and i really want him to do well he really wants me to do well he also had a youtube channel so kind of understood the space and so he's been editing all of my videos because i can't shoot and edit because i'm so slow <laughs> i'm just a slow editor also as a business person I don't need to do all the jobs. And so that's something else that creatives really get stuck in. I am really glad for one year, I edited all my videos on Premiere Pro. I know how it works. I know, you know, when we speak, you know, I know the words to say or what I want, or I also know that if I ask him to do something, how complicated or easy it is to do. Um, and so it's been, it, really reminds me of 2010. It reminds me of blogging and connecting with people in 2010. I love it. The YouTube community is so supportive and critical. They're also critical, but also, but they're there. They're there with you. They're there leaving comments and uh, they're there giving you support. I did my first uh, live three weeks ago and I was shocked. I had 74 people. I didn't think anybody was going to come in. And we went for almost two hours. I had to cut it. Um, and so I have noticed that's the connection that I wasn't getting with my blog anymore. And I agree with you. I wish I would have done video before, but I also don't know if I was ready for it. You kind of come into it maybe when you're ready for it. And so it's challenging. So now I have this website, which thankfully... Um, the website provides the possibility for me to do this. It is my full-time income, but I've also created this second job. So it's like, I'm doing two full-time jobs at once. It won't always be like that. I'm still trying to figure out how to be more efficient. And um, like, for example, for me, Instagram is not really a part of my business model. I'm there to have a presence, but it doesn't bring in a lot of revenue. I also don't love Instagram now that I'm doing YouTube. I feel like you know, people have said to me, I want longer videos. I want more. 
and Instagram in 15 seconds or even in a minute. Like, how do I explain to you everything I feel about it in a city in a way that will connect with someone? I don't think you could be do. It's more of a short, a short form of entertainment or fast food entertainment about travel, which is not really, I admire people who do it well, but it's not what I want to communicate. Um, so I really feel like video is like really rejuvenated me as a content creator. Oh, that's, that's really interesting to hear. That's sort of how I feel about it as well. I'm like, I can, it, you know, it's like I have the same idea, but in writing it would be different. And, and now I have all this extra space to share something. And yeah. I, I think writing helps because you do kind of have to script out at least, and I script out a lot of my videos, at least the tech ones. Mm -hmm. And and just being able to organize your thoughts in writing, I think helps, you know, when you're creating yeah. a video. And your output is really impressive. Like, you know, I make two videos a week. That's a challenge. But you're putting out a video about every three days or so and, and yeah, long videos. I'm doing two. Yeah, well, I mean, I can do that because I have an editor. So... When we shot from, uh, sorry, I've got it. When we shot from September to 1st of December, we got to 50 videos pretty quickly because I was doing a road trip. And so we were shooting about a video a day. And again, a lot of those videos came, were becoming in and not really knowing a lot about the place and just trying to explain what it was like for people. And thankfully, um, you know, I'm, my friend is a tour guide. He has a car. Um, and so I had kind of that support system of someone who could help share with me the things that I wanted to share, who knew a little bit about the place and um, also knew how to get around. However, I think next week or the week after, we're going to do another road trip because those 50 videos that I shot, are running out next week so it's like we've got to get back out on the road um but we're going to do it a little bit differently because i really did burn out when i look at these last bits of videos i look tired for me other people say they can't see it but i can see that i'm starting to burn out at that point and i actually took all of december off because i had all of the content and nobody wants to see nova scotia in winter because there's nothing to do so um i took a month off while still kind of putting those videos out and um now it's at minimum two days in a in a place and every third day i need to have like a computer day uh, because my editor did a lot of heavy lifting at that point because towards the end i was just like trying to get videos uploaded and he was making sense of like just random clips that I'd put together. Um, but what I do like about it is the more we work together, he just kind of understands what I want or what I'm doing. He also asked to see my um, YouTube analytics to see like, are people dropping off at a certain point or do we need to like switch up the intro or can we do longer video? So I have a video coming out on Saturday. I think that's 30 minutes long. And we just said like, let's just see, will people watch? longer and so i find there's two kinds of youtube watchers there's kind of people that just pop in they want information and they pop out and then there are people like me who watch it on tv so i want to see the 20 30 minute episode or maybe even longer um some of them i watched dale i can't remember what dale's name is i think he's anyway he's in pakistan he had one that was an hour 40 
And so I just put it on while I was doing other things and I watched it. Um, and so it's been really interesting to see. I feel like uh, the YouTube viewer is more engaged, wants more and allows me to do what I want, which is to kind of give that more cultural information to have people share the same experience as me and to feel what I feel when I go to a place. So what's your process when you arrive at a, at a place? Like just as an example, typically when I do travel videos, I research what I'm going to do ahead mm -hmm. of time. So I already know, like, you know, I'll be spontaneous or something you know, catches my eye, but usually if it catches my eye and I can get back to it the next day, I'll research it a little bit. So I kind of have an idea going in. Yeah. How do you approach, and then I'll film everything and then try to piece it together later. How do you approach it? Like you're, you're in a new city or a new place, you know, do you, what's the plan like to get that video out? Yeah. So what's interesting, I didn't mention was, I think uh maybe six months ago i did take a youtube course and it was with cup of tj and so she is a youtuber with i think almost half a million followers she's american and um it was a pricey investment i feel like it was probably three thousand or thirty five hundred to do this and she takes 12 people at a time and uh and i think it might be 12 or 16 weeks long i learned so much from her i mean as a blogger i think we understand things like seo and just as you said as a writer putting stories together you don't just shoot everything because if you just go and shoot everything you're just gonna have a mess um and so i took her course and one of the things she shared with us was this um spreadsheet of how she actually plans and so she will say go to you know, Tokyo, and she'll have 10 days there, but she will know the 14 videos she already wants to shoot. And it's already planned. So she knows all of her keywords, where she's going, like what she has to do. I would say mine is a bit of that and then a bit of free flow. So as we are planning uh, to go out for the next month in Ecuador, we have a schedule of, you know, what towns we're hitting, what it's known for, um, what the keywords are, and, and in general, and sometimes it's a little bit like some areas, I know it has like the best shrimp. It's known to have the best shrimp in the country, but I don't know anything else about it. So those will be a little bit more bloggy and relaxed. And then in some cases, I know that there is like a food town. And so I want to try the 10 best foods from that town and we will research what they are and where to get them. Uh, and sometimes that's researching um, like on Facebook expat groups, or thankfully, again, Andreas is a, a guide, so he will reach out to his network of guides. Um, but it's sometimes just, or watching other YouTube videos. I try not to watch a lot of other YouTube videos about food in Ecuador because I don't trust other people's <laughs> recommendations. The same thing for my site. I don't trust other people's recommendations. I feel like there are a lot of really great YouTubers in Ecuador, the English speakers, I don't trust anything. Not that I don't trust anything they say. They have a different experience. They have a different opinion on what is good food. I will watch uh, videos in Spanish of Ecuadorian YouTubers to see where they go because they have like the local versus the expat or you just dropped in here for a week opinion. Um, but yeah, it is very much planned. And I think some people, if they were first starting traveling, think that's that takes away from the the spontaneity, but 
but it doesn't really, because I have tried the other method of just going out and shooting everything and hoping that there's a story in it. And that's hard and it takes longer. And so now when I travel, you know, if we go to a beach town, I can go get the beach story and then I can spend the rest of the afternoon on the beach. So that is really freedom. Planning is freedom. It feels like it's a lot of work up front, but it makes things on the road so much easier. And like, if you go to a restaurant, like for, you know, a famous restaurant or, or a popular one, do you yeah. contact them ahead of time? Do they know you're coming or do you just show up and just start shooting? No, I just show up. And so um, in Ecuador, they love YouTubers. Like they're really into YouTube. There are a lot of YouTubers in Ecuador, especially um, in rural areas that have a million followers. Like they're really big on watching online. And I would say I have a very big Ecuadorian following right now. Um, and so when I go to a restaurant, I have my tripod and my um, I just have a small Sony ZV-1, which is still like a, a small pocket uh, camera. And they're really interested. And sometimes people ask, I was asked, stopped in the airport and I just say, oh, I'm vlogging. I have a YouTube channel. I just want to share with people like what it's like in the airport. And almost everyone is happy with it. I'm trying to think if I was ever stopped and asked not to shoot. Um, you know, oh, in the U.S. <laughs> I was stopped in the U.S. I actually got stopped I was doing a video on um, traveling from Canada to Ecuador and I had my camera out in baggage claim and I was just picking up my bag to show that I was taking it and a security guard came over and stopped me and then I got like pulled off to the side in U.S. security U.S. security is terrifying but I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't shooting anything. I, you know, so eventually they let me go. They checked on my papers and stuff and then they let me go. Um, but other than that, everyone's been really nice. On airplanes, I've had flight attendants say, like, I don't want to be on it. And that's totally cool. I don't want to put people in a video that they don't want to be in. And I don't. So the way that I shoot, um, things are kind of out of focus. So if people are doing things, if they don't want to be on it, that's okay. I don't want to be on videos that maybe... <laughs> I don't know what happening. So that's why. And, and I was going to ask you about the tech you use. So you said, yeah. Yeah. So I first started, I have a Google pixel um, and I first started with my phone and I actually recommend starting with your phone because it's just, everybody knows how to use your phone. And it's really about the storytelling. When I look back at that first video, it had a hundred thousand views on Facebook and it was just shot with my phone. And also there are a lot of YouTubers who are huge that just shoot on the phone. One of them, Hannah Lee Duggan, she shoots everything on her phone. And I thought at one point she had upgraded, but she just upgraded her iPhone um, because I saw it in a reflection. A lot of people are just using small cameras. I think it's important not to feel like I need to get like, you know, the most expensive camera. I need to carry three lenses. When I first started traveling, I had three lenses. Huge mistake. Like, unless you want to be like a National Geographic photographer, a professional photographer, I think all of us think we can be in the beginning, but we cannot. So it's just best to go and stay small. And so I have a tripod, which my phone is on right now, but it's just, it's not a Joby pod. It's actually, a, it bends easier. It goes on tabletops. It's great if I have to vlog this way. And um, I travel with that. I travel with a drone. Um, a mini two and that was new and I'm really happy I got that because I think 
in places like Ecuador, it's so scenic to be able to share that with people. I can't kind of catch on the ground, um, but it is terrifying every time I fly it and I have crashed it several times. I've flown it into a river. I've flown it into a bus. Like it's terrifying. Um, and, but the, in the end, like, for example, if something happened and I didn't have my drone, yes, the drone adds to it, but the drone is not the story. The story is actually, you know, what you create with what you shoot. So if I had to go back and everything was stolen and I only had my phone, I would be okay. And when you're shooting out, I, I, you know, in, in big cities and stuff, do you ever worry about having the camera out? I mean, I have a much yeah. crazier setup. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I in, I, I'm going to say like South American capital cities, you know, it's not, you, you don't want to flash your valuables, right? Like that's one of the yeah. number one rules there. So how does that yeah. work? Um, well, two things. One, I'm with an Ecuadorian and two, I have this like weird look that nobody knows quite what I am. So in Latin America, a lot of people think I'm Latin American as long as they don't speak. Even in India, when I was in India, people thought I was Punjabi. Like there, I just have kind of, I think a look that a lot of people don't really pay attention to. And then I've traveled in South America before. So I know you need to be smart. I'm not out by myself shooting unless I'm somewhere where I feel like it's a safe area, like police around. Like if you're in main squares and things like that, yes, absolutely. I went to Guayaquil, which is um, dangerous. It's the most dangerous place in Ecuador, but I wanted to go there because they actually have created almost these safe zones for locals. Like locals are also considered uh, dangerous. And so there are certain parts of the city that are safe and there's other parts that you just don't go into. I would love to go into some of the neighborhoods and have like, you know, the crazy local food, but there are guys with guns out front. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of like these bro travel bloggers who were like, I went into, you know, this ghetto, let them do that. I personally also find that offensive to have that kind of tourism, but if they want to do that, you should go there. Like I actually want to share with people places that they can go. And I do give those tips to people in Quito. There's a beautiful neighborhood that um, you go to the top of the hill and um, there's a look off. And I've said to people, don't walk up there. It is dangerous. It is a beautiful neighborhood. You probably think, oh, like I like to walk. I'm going to walk up there. No, if you walk up there, you're, you're going to get robbed. So those are the things I want to share with people. I don't want to be the person who walks down. There was a very famous vlogger who did this, who walked down the most dangerous um, went from the most dangerous neighborhood in Guayaquil down to the bottom and locals were stopping him and telling him like, get on a bus, get a taxi. It is not safe for you here. And he just kept walking. And it, this is like a, a YouTube niche that has been growing. And I just hope that people realize when they watch that he was not safe. He was very lucky. Yeah, I mean, criminals are like sharks, right? Like you can go swimming with sharks. You're not going to get bitten every time. But if somebody, yeah. one of them sees a good opportunity, they're going to they're gonna take it, you know? And and you're, then you're going to be kind yeah. of screwed, right? So, yeah, I mean... I, yeah, I, I, I have travel insurance. <laughs> oh, that's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could get robbed anywhere. I mean, we could, I've been robbed, I don't know, a handful of times. I'm going to get robbed again. It's just, it's just part of it. So get travel insurance. Yeah, I, I always switch between the big camera and the small camera, depending on kind of where I'm at. Like, I won't take out the, yeah. I've got a huge, not huge, but it's pretty big, you know, like the DSLR. 
Um, but like if I'm in a place where I'm like, maybe I got to be quicker on my feet or just kind of more aware, I'll take out like a GoPro or something small. And then I'm like, okay, doesn't draw as much attention as a, the huge, you know, camera with the microphone and everything. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people traveling lately with the DJI Osmo 2, mm-hmm. which is just like this little thing, like, and it's been interesting. I've been watching their footage. It's good footage. I mean, it's not cinematic, but if you're kind of doing a blogging day, it's really good. So I would consider using that. I mean, I also have the GoPro 9, so I'm not going to get the Osmo 2, but maybe eventually I would do it. But it just shows you like where we're getting with small cameras that you can have these options, which is just more of a, I'm just walking through the town showing you this, like the scenery. And if somebody steals this, this is, you know, $400. This is not 2,500. Yeah. And I, I think there's there are a couple of YouTube channels that I follow that they shoot just in 720p on their phone. And they make it yeah. look older and it's kind of cooler. And yeah, they put out a clip, one of the channels that I was following, they put out a clip where they had cut it with some like 4K video. And I was like, whoa, it was so jarring. And I was like, no, 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 go yeah. back to the old style. It just looks different because everybody else is shooting in such high resolution now. Yeah, I think, you know, just looking at the storytelling of people, I there are some really talented um videographers and making beautiful films and documentaries that is not going to be me so I know kind of where my place is I also don't need to create that I want to give people a sense of place but if I'm in a restaurant I don't need to have a big camera the only thing I don't like about my camera so I have the Sony ZV-1 I can't remember what the lens is but the lens was not wide enough so I actually hacked uh, a Ulanzi lens on top of it that is wider which works. I would love something even wider if possible, but um, I'm just going to wait. You know, technology every couple of years, Sony is just always coming out with something new. And so I do really like the ease of what I'm using right now. And that's the most important. And then um, I think my growth has not been from technology. I think I probably could have kept shooting with my phone, but my growth was finding the story and also becoming a lot of people said to me I don't always see my own growth but people have said to me you seem more confident on camera or you know so much or you know you're telling a better story sharing a better story so I think that is really what gets you farther ahead I had myself on mute there oh yeah (laughs) I'll probably not edit that out just because yeah Um, yeah so yeah, like you said, you know, getting used to being on camera is a skill in its its own. And you like the first videos you, you people tend to put out there, you can tell they're just like, oh my God, oh my God, people are watching. It's like, well, that's why you're making the video. People are going to be watching you on camera. Yeah. So. And there's that. You really right need now. to lean into who you are. So there are a couple of things. You do need to learn how to like look at the lens instead of looking at yourself. And so, for example, with my camera, um, it's out to the side, but I rarely look to the side. Every once in a while I will, if I think there's something behind me, but you, you've you got to really like look into that lens and that's so hard to do in the beginning. But I think also when you start to get a little bit of a community, it feels like you're talking, you really are talking to the camera, you're talking to people. Um, but other than that, um, you really just need to lean into who you are. And so I think that was always my biggest strength was, you know, I'm not the best at um, creating beautiful photos. I'm definitely not the best writer. 
um, technically. People have said, you know, will you ever write a book? And I'm like, I read all the time. I understand the difference between, you know, Pulitzer award-winning writing and what I do. Um, but I do know myself and now I'm 44. So I'm not even like that 20 year old in a bikini, like frolicking on the beach and shooting like all of these Instagram, like that's not me. But again, like the internet is large and I am comfortable with who my audience is. And, you know, some of them are definitely my age because I'm in Ecuador and there's also a really heavy um, expat population here. I do get a lot of people who are older, um, but I just think you, you lean into who you are and then you're more comfortable on camera because you're not trying to be someone else. So just like when you were writing in the beginning and trying to be Lonely Planet, you know, you're not on camera trying to be, you know, whatever your favorite travel show is, you're just sharing your story and that makes it so much easier. And so now, you know, what's next? How long do you stay in Ecuador and, and, and film? And then where, where's the next place? Is there a plan or? Uh, God, you know, it's like so hard to plan right now. So I had originally wanted to go to the Philippines in March. And then I thought that wasn't possible. And so I decided to stay in Ecuador longer. Also because for me, this is a really good learning opportunity um, in how to build an audience. And so I am building an audience of uh, people who are interested in Ecuador. And so I thought, okay, I'll stay in Ecuador a little bit longer and then I'll go to uh, Mexico because Mexico is also a place where I feel comfortable with the knowledge of the food knowledge that I have there. But then also, I'm also going to hire like guides to help me with things because it really makes things so much easier. And I also think tourists should hire guides. Like you learn so much more. Um, I really traveled independently thinking tour guides and, um, you know, taking day trips was not the right way. Like you had to do it the cheapest, hardest way to do it when you first start backpacking, but you learn, you, you really do learn a lot more when you're with a guide. Um, but now I don't know. So because the Philippines has started to open up. And so I'm just going to kind of take it as it comes. If I stay here, I would like to do a month long road trip here. Um, and then if I go somewhere else then I do, we'll just kind of see how it goes. I feel like when you put travel plans, it's just, you, you're just setting yourself up to be crushed. I need to be back in Canada at the end of June. That is my only plan. Otherwise, I'm just going to really enjoy kind of learning this new craft and sharing things with people again. I just, I really love how this is kind of like Angelina 2010, if she did video. That, 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 that's, that's a great way to sort of wrap up this episode because, uh, yeah, that you can tell. I mean, you can tell. It's what caught my attention. I was like, oh, this is something different. And, you know, it's something I'm interested in as well. And I was like, I, it's it's cool to see that kind of shift and sort of that yeah. enthusiasm kind of come back, you know, especially after a pandemic where a lot of us were like, you know, I mean, people in the travel space, you know, it's unsure times, I guess, uncertain times. Absolutely. It's still uncertain. Who knows when they will be certain again? Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my <laughs> travel plans have been like whack-a-mole. Like I'm like, and then, you know, it's just like, oh, they changed their restrictions. And I'm lazy. I think I'm like, oh, I got to get tests like for a bunch of places. I'm like, I'll just wait. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like going to 10 countries in a row, like I used to be able to do. It's like, I'll just, I'll just wait. Like it's, it, it's a pain. 
that so. was kind of how I felt here was I was like, I'm just going to see how things go, but I'm going to do it in Ecuador. I mean, it's warmer than Canada right now. So that's a bonus. Great. And uh, what can we expect with upcoming videos? What, what, what do you have? What do you have planned? Oh, so I'm right now in the end of a series in northern Ecuador, which is not really well known. And I've gone to some pretty epic accommodations. So coming up today is a hacienda, which is <clears throat> beautiful. It's right beside a volcano. I have one that's coming up on Saturday, which is in a uh, cloud forest. And then I have one that's actually part of the National Geographic Network. It's part of the Choco Bio Reserve, which is one of the most diverse areas in the world. So I feel like I'm ending last year's on a high, even though I will look tired. And then um, Coming up, uh, this new road trip, I'm also going back down the coast again to talk about um, coastal food and then also into the Amazon, which should be pretty crazy. So I'm going to be probably eating some funky things. And then just also my other interest is sharing with people um, what's happening in the Amazon, the environment, the impact of oil and all of those things. So a little bit of food, a little bit of learning. Hopefully people like it both. Cool. And I will link to your YouTube channel, but uh, if anybody needs to find you, let me know all the places that you can be found. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Angelina. So there's a Y in my name, uh, A-Y-N-G-E-L-I-N-A. -A. Um, I'm also Angelina on YouTube. And then on Facebook, I'm Bacon is Magic. And my website is Bacon is Magic. Not baking like a cake, like <laughs> bacon, like a flying pig. <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah well i'm really excited to see what's coming up it's been interesting like talking and seeing how you plan it out because you know it's making a video is is hard like i mean it's yeah. just not easy to make a, a youtube video it really does take time and effort and planning and there's no kind of one way to do it yeah when you are ready to go travel again i'm happy to share my spreadsheet with you and then also like i use a youtube uh seo key search kind of tool so i'm happy to share all of that with you cool yeah and anyone else if anyone else <laughs> wants to do it like send me an email reach out to me on youtube i'm happy to share the information sweet sweet well uh, I, i'll definitely take you up on that so uh, yeah. and i think a lot of people will appreciate that as well um but yeah thanks again for your time looking forward to the upcoming videos everybody like and subscribe as you're supposed yes, to do please <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah thanks again Okay, have a good day. You too. Thank you, Angelina, for being a guest on this week's podcast. And thank all of you for listening and supporting the podcast with your five-star reviews. If you haven't yet left a review, wherever you're listening to this, whether it's Google, Stitcher, Apple, you know all the places, five stars really does help get the word about the podcast out. And those of you who are listening on Spotify, you've told me and I know that it didn't have a review system until now. So Spotify now has a review system for podcasts. All you have to do is leave a five-star review and maybe a couple of nice words about the podcast. That would be great. But I'm really excited for what's coming up for the rest of the season. Thank you very much for listening this deep into the podcast. But for now, I hope until the next episode, I hope you have a great rest of your day.